Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on KCW 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I am Al Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Yes, you are. I was waiting because you made that smart crack last week. Was, man, was like, like out of the blue, like, yes, you are. Well, yes, what am are. I supposed to say? You know, I have to say something. That's right. I don't know. I, I you know, anyway. Well, so, okay, Dave, I got my monkey pox shot. Excellent. <laughs> Why? That's excellent. Excellent, man. But, after that last interview, you know, we I did know. that last week, you know, I was like all paranoid. And, <laughs> ran out and said, get me my monkey paws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unusual. But I got one of the new ones, so the one that goes under the skin. Okay, so yeah. It stays there for two weeks and it absorbs it. So that's pretty, it's different. It doesn't go into the muscle. High tech. So, yeah, high tech. High tech. Yeah. Well, it's because it's bigger and they have to get the uh, chip in for Bill Gates. Oh, yes, they couldn't that's get true. enough yeah. in. They couldn't fit in the COVID. And <laughs> they need it to take control. I was getting too wild. Mm. So they decided, well, yep. this guy's just gone too far. Going to rein you in. Yeah. Going to take care of this one real quick. <laughs> Give him a double batch. That's right. You know. 
Anyway. <laughs> well, so we uh, just jump right on. We've got a great guest waiting. She's been on before, and this is The Return. Um, new book is called Twisty Tortoise Tussles, Jack Rabbit Junction Humorous Mystery Book 6. Now say that 50 times quick. <laughs> and Charles, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And I guess I'm, I didn't realize they had the monkeypox vaccine out already. I'm, I've been writing, so my head's buried, you know. And that was news. I knew it was out there. I just didn't know they had a vaccine for it already. Yeah, they they uh, apparently, you see, we, we did an interview with um, a virologist. I hate that word. And um, he, he talks about all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, they've had it in in the U.S. for 50 years because they developed it. Get this. Because they were worried about um, Russia back in the 80s giving it to Americans. So they developed the vaccine for it and put it in uh, storage for it. They were getting ready for a war like that way. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so they had it. The only thing is he said, it's, you know, it's kind of outdated and a lot of them went bad. But um, I got my shot in Canada. So Canada's already got them. So. Third. Uh, uh, jump ahead. That's interesting that we've had it that long, just waiting. Yeah, it's been sitting. We're ready to get um, attacked by the monkeys. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but the monkeys are all dying. And I mean, the band, the band, hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Oh, yeah. that's true. Is it that's too true. soon? Monkey pox? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dave's a big monkey fan. He just went and saw I them. Did. Last show with that with that one that died. Yeah. Aww. Was it yeah. Davey? No, or he just- died... Early, it was um, uh, Mike Nesmith. Okay. If I'm saying his name correctly, yeah, yeah. See, see, he's a real fan. You know, <laughs> he he gets on stage and pretends he's one of the monkeys. Yeah. You know? All right. <laughs> they they have to drag him off. Yeah. Stage. <laughs> and they haven't had to have people dragged off stage for forty years. No, that's true. You know, and it used to be they drag girls off, and now it's a It's a fifty fifty year old man they're dragging off stage. <laughs> They've got security. They're just waiting for me. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Dave, it's the Dave Patrol. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, there's that guy. And then he goes to New Kids on the Block. Same thing. And they're oh, no, not him again. They Come call me on. Crime Wave Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> oh, you know, anyway. Well, let's get on to the important stuff. So you, you've decided to do book six in this. Now, you call this a, a humorous fiction or mystery, and... Because we've been getting a lot of humorous fiction writers lately, we've actually added a whole category to the website now that is called humorous fiction, and I know you'll be placed in there. Um, what, what, so what's the, the trend of humorous fiction? Like, what's going on there? Like, how, how do you really describe humorous fiction? Wow, that's, I didn't realize it was, it was now a trend more. Um, yeah, so, we've had like I think five or six now yeah. um, that we've recorded in the last month, I would say, and it was so much that I was like, "Well, what am I supposed to put this under?" And I contacted the web people and some others, and they just said, "Well, let's just do one." There seems to be so many, yeah. and it's not really dark noir, so to speak. It's not right. like this murderous mystery detective, hard boiled that sort of thing. It's different, and and so I'm thinking, well. Uh, so it is in a way, or there's a lot of writers that are have agents that are out there doing this. So 
Well, I think it's, oh boy, I have a lot of thoughts, and I'll probably forget three of them by the time I get done <laughs> saying what I'm going to say here. And then I'll be like, what's the question again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, okay, um, this is what has come out of my brain since I started back uh, in the early 2000s, uh, late 1990s. Oh, I hate saying it like that. Um, humorous, you know, this genre mix it with humor in it. And I don't know why. And it really gave me problems at first because I couldn't get in with a lot of the big New York publishers back when I was still trying uh, because I did mix the genres of mystery and um, either supernatural or romance. And I wasn't just doing one, uh, which made it a bear for bookshelf space, right? Well, then along comes Amazon and all the other e-retailers. And suddenly the bookshelf, you know, having one thing you fit under doesn't matter as much because you can fit under multiple places. So, uh, you know, my my um, humor in my stories and, and the mix of genres didn't matter so much anymore, which is a boon for a lot of us that are mixed genre. And I think, you know, that might be part of it that we're allowed to mix even more now. And, and readers like the mix, too. Um, my stories are character-driven, and I think that goes with the humor, you know, that um, plays along, because it's not about someone's murdered and, you know, the humor in that dead body, by, you know, which would be kind of morbid, maybe. Um, it's more about the characters and their reactions in their lives and how they're handling and, find, you know, dealing with the suspense and all that comes with it. So for me, I can find a lot of humor in that and, and playing up. How would I react? I'm not a super sleuth. I'm not a diehard, you know, detective. I come across, you know, walk in a room and there's a body and it's some horrible thing. I'm going to scream and, you know, react in a different way than a cop would or, a you know, detective. So I think it's fun to play with that with everyday people and then getting involved with trying to figure things out. Why is this person, you know, or they're coming, someone's coming after you. Why? And there can be so much humor in that too, um, mixed with suspense and tension and all, you know, the mystery. I think there's more humor coming through now. And this is me just winging it because of what's going on out there in the world. Um, I need more humor to keep me up and keep me going. I need to watch stuff that makes me laugh or read stuff that makes me laugh so that I can go out and face, you know, whatever I have to deal with and hear about all the stuff going on out there in the world that's scary. Humor helps. So maybe that's part of it. I didn't know there was anything going on in the world. <laughs> there's something going on out there well i mean that's, there's always something going on you yeah. know i i often go back in time and i think about historically you know something how did uh some of the westerners feel when the railroad came in how angry were some of them how excited were others you know it was like a whole new thing and so i i do that when there's a new tech trend coming through you know and i feel more like the old Westerners that are like, keep that train out of here, you know, yeah. <laughs> I have to think, you know, there's always something for every generation to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, but how far do you go with the humor? Like if you walk in and see the dead body and it's the reaction, maybe you go to bed with them or. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a whole different kind of humor. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really have always enjoyed having characters that are 
do regular things in life. Like in the Jackrabbit series, one of the sisters, um, the main that starts the series, Claire, she's a jack of all trades, master of nothing. She's gone to college for years. She's in her early 30s. She never hit, figured out which degree. She's jumped from job to job. She's really good at construction because she worked with her grandfather, who's a contractor growing up, you know, and so that is her. She's not a super detective, but she's curious. She loves puzzles and she can't just let something go when it comes, you know, she comes across it. So that personality flaw, you know, all the different flaws or, you know, some people might not think of them as flaws, but that goes into making the humor that comes with her being a detective because she's not your normal everyday, you know, here's the list of how we do the crime scene or, or whatever. So there can be a lot of humor in normal everyday people reaction to stuff. And I think a lot of readers can relate to that. I'm wondering why humor, uh, what drew you to writing humorous fiction and were you inspired by uh, another series or, or an author or? Honestly, it's what came out. Um, I tried early on in the nineties, mid nineties, um, to write romance, just, mm. you know, pretty much regular, like just contemporary romance, um, set in, you know, the jungle down in Mexico. So I had to add a little bit of adventure to it. And I was really bad at just romance. I loved it. I loved to read it. I loved, I mean, I grew up reading Stephen King, Louis L'Amour, every romance, you know, those little Harlequin books I could get my hands on. I read all, all across the board, but I thought I could do, a, I could write a romance. And it turned out there's, I just can't do all that emoting that's required mm -hmm. in a lot of romances. There's so much, emotion and stuff. And I was not good at that. So I tried for like three or four books doing that. And humor kept coming on stronger. The more I practiced this and tried this, I kept the, the humor just kept getting stronger and stronger. I mean, the first, the humor in the very first book I ever wrote by hand on notebook pages is how bad it is. That's the humor when I read it and I go, Oh my gosh, that's so bad. But you know, by book five, which is the first time I had written uh, Dance in the Winnebago's. And I say that because I went back and uh, did some rewrites before publishing it. Um, the humor was there. It just, it, it just came out and it was part of the, the mix by then. So um, organic, I guess, if you mm -hmm. want to call it that, you know, or this is just me finally getting down to, this is what I'm going to write and going, Oh, okay. All that other stuff, you know, we tried, but here comes the stuff, and there is romance, and there's lots of mystery, and I guess it's suspense, and my Deadwood series has supernatural, but there's always humor, because I, I find humor helps me make it through the day. Yeah, you figured out who you were as a writer. Yeah. Right. It, I wish I automatically knew the first time I, you know, started writing, but yeah, that's not, I, I like to take the long, painful learn, you know, by mistakes route in life, it seems like. So <laughs> it took me some time. Yeah. And Stephen King, you know, if, if you can't get into his romance, then. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at, wasn't Rose Matter? He mm. had, isn't that the one where he did some romance in there? Oh, geez. I don't know. I never sure. read her. I, I, I looked at it on the shelf and I thought, you know, you should read this sometime, maybe <laughs> just to see what he did. Well, you know, it's always good pick up other people's uh, feelings and how they do things. Uh, right. 
Right. Um, it, it, so this the, the main character in this series. Do, did you sort of because it sounds like you're you're putting the character through a lot of things um, to happen um, to them over a period of time. Do you have to? How do I say this? Be careful on how they change because your character in book one is going to go through the different events in book one, two, three, four, five. And each time they go through that, it changes them somewhat. So how they react in book six here is going to be different than how they would have reacted in book two. Right. Yes. So So there's a character arc that goes along with the series arc and then the story arcs. When I do the behind the scenes work, um, There's all that that I take into account. Okay, so in the series, we're at this point in the series arc. Uh, And in this, with this particular character, in her character arc, so that she grows and changes, this is where we're at for her um, or for him, you know. So, So that the characters aren't static, I do keep track of where they're at, and, and how they've changed. Uh, before I write a new book in a series, I will go back through and read. Maybe I might not read book one anymore, just scan it, because I've read book one in many the series, both, or, you know, several series, many, many times. But I will go through the other books and just soak all that up so that by the time I start, you know, book six, when I started this, I already had a strong feel, and I knew, okay, for the main character, Claire, Here's what we're going to see in her character arc in this book, you know, and, and then I aim for that. Same with their sister Kate and Veronica, who we go in all their heads. And then I introduced, um, I was actually in the head of a new character in this book, but she's not new to the series, but it's the first time in her head. So I get to start her character arc and, and take her along a little bit farther. But I really think it's important to keep track of that because I think it makes them more real um the readers is if you read all the series you know boom 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 you binge it you're going to see that growth and you're going to see how the character is changing and yes by book six the the claire who was in book one you know she'll comment about i've been you know i've almost been killed this many times and then been beat up like this this way so i'm not going to do that any you know i'm not doing that that's crazy i'm going to get hurt again so they do learn and know just like we do but it doesn't mean they can't help themselves getting into a little bit of trouble because that's also human nature, I think, too. Well, yeah. Um, now, the title, that's a, that's an unusual title. Maybe. Explain that a little bit. Misty Tortoise Tussle. So this book has five different point of views. I'm, this is the first time I've done five. I usually, in the series, average three. Um, but... So there's a lot of plot twisting, and I knew that when I was sitting down to figure out what was going to happen in this story, I was going to be twisting that plot like crazy as we bounce around. Um, and there would be tussles because of the different situations and different things built up in the series already to this, plus the new, you know, the new problem I'm introducing. There's going to be tussles going on throughout. And so I, I really came up with this title, you know, bounced around with my husband. We come, we play with words and came up with it. And then I wrote based off that. And I do that a lot, especially with the series. I, I need that title. It really helps me to 
feel the theme of the book, you know, and keep that theme in line in, in my mind when I'm writing each of the different chapters and, and scenes with, within the story. And the whole series, you'll see I have these kind of fun, crazy titles because these are fun, crazy mystery, action, adventure, romance, comedy mix-ups. You just got everything going on. <laughs> so when you say five points of view, how, how do you keep that? going or do you are you that author i can't remember do you hear these characters voices in your heads yeah actually i mean i've i've known four of the characters have been going for quite some time you know i've done different they're different voices so they're they're strong it's the three sisters and there's one hero mac his has been there since the book one and and then the new one i introduced in this one another it's the sheriff's sister so it was really fun to have a sister of a sheriff who, you know, feeling the small town, small county kind of feel of being the sheriff's sister and not loving that, that you have to, you know, toe the line. Um, but I can really, when I'm in there and I start, you know, each character, I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. Um, just go into their head. You start talking like them on the page. They react a different way than the other one, you know, another one would. And you just, I just started weaving. And I started with this one idea and had a bunch of them there right at the start. And then we kind of break off from that opening. And, and it's, I guess it's like weaving, weaving a rug, weaving something where you keep bringing the strings around and tie them back together. And then at the end, Time back off, but leave some go out because you get another book coming. Do, do any of these characters um, kind of take on a life of their own and, and kind of rebel from the plot? They do. I've, I've often said I'll start and I'll do a big kind of overall plot outline. And it's not real detailed. It's, it's maybe two or three sentences per point. But time and again, that's more of a... a something saying to my brain, see, we've got a plot outlined, we can do this. And then I'll start. And by the first turning point of the story, I'm often going away I didn't expect. And but I've learned over time, that's how I write. So it's okay. We'll just follow it and, and trust in that inner storyteller to tell the story and just go along and keep typing and recording it. So yes, there's I and I leave room for me to do that too when I plot and when I do this is I don't know what's going to come out. And that's part of the excitement of the story for me as the writer so that I'm not bored writing it. Do you take uh, notes along the way? I do. I do a scene and sequel where each chapter I'll, I'll do, you know, and, and it's a scene where you go from the goal, conflict and disaster. And that's a scene. And then I'll write the sequel and maybe the sequels in a different character's point of view. You know, it's like in the sister, one of the sisters' point of view. Or maybe it's a chapter away because something else happens, another scene in it with another character. But I'll keep track of all that, scene and sequel, throughout the whole book, chapter by chapter. And it's, I, I keep notes in a notepad that's, you know, gets thick and full of a couple books worth, and then I retire that and get another notepad and keep going. Interesting. Do, do you kind of know how far you're going to go with the, this series? So when I wrote the first book, Dance of the Winnebago's, I thought I was writing a single title mystery, and I finished it. And a friend at the time said, well, where's book two? And I said, what are you talking about, book two? And she said, this is a series. 
you, you don't you see what you've done? All the stuff you know you've already set the tracks for. This is a series. What's going to be in book two? And I went back then, and that shows you. I mean, that was two thousand and four, maybe when that was. I mean, I was still figuring it all out, seeing what came out, and and trying things. And that's when I realized, oh, I do see it now. And, and go for it, went forth from there and, and brought in his, you know, there's three sisters. The first three books is each sister coming in. And then, then we start just mixing it up with every book. So I don't, we're still not to, you know, in the series arc, we're still not to, uh, we're probably getting close to the midpoint of the series arc. So there's several books yet to come. Um, I don't have, I have some ideas for an ending that I'd like to incorporate, but I like to leave myself room for what might come in between. You know, it'd be fun to explore. So I don't have a set, you know, oh, I'm going to go 15 books out and then I'll stop. You know, it's more, let's see how the story goes. And when I feel like wrapping up, then we'll start wrapping up. Wow. That's, that's interesting. So it's, it's almost like you don't, you don't have any of this outlined in a sense that you have no real big control over the whole, the big picture. Well, it sounds crazy, but with character driven stories, I often feel like there, there is something, they are part of this, you know, what will happen, how things will go. It's driven on that, depending on that character as it comes out. And I know it all sounds crazy and I'm sure there's some more left brain authors out there and people going, come on, you know, nail it down. You can do this and and you should do this. But I kind of find myself, I've always been a even balance whenever I've done those crazy tests. Are you right brain or left brain? I'm always in the middle. So I just kind of, you know, my, my left brain, brain will plot and do all this stuff, and then the right brain steps in and goes, get that crap out of here. This is what we're doing. And onward we go. Well, at least you have a brain. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, Mine doesn't come out any. <laughs> but do, do you ever sometimes feel like you're not in charge? You know, do, do, you don't drive while you're going through this cycle (laughs) (laughs) no I often yeah I I really by the time I come to the end of a story I'm I first of all anyone who's ever written I I write about 125k 130k books so they're longer there'll be things that one of the first draft readers says yeah when so-and-so did this you know it was really great and I'll think first of all was that in this book you know, by the time you get to the end, or I get to the end, I, I can't always, I, I don't have detailed memories of what all has happened because it's like life. Do you remember what you ate three days ago? <laughs> That's kind of how it feels. The story just rolls out. And then, you know, and I trust in that storytelling voice to tell the story. And then when I go back, you know, and I'll start editing, that's when I'm double checking everything's there. And, um, you know, I've been at one point we were moving uh, from Washington to Arizona when I was writing a book and I was hurrying to get done before we moved. And we got down to Arizona and I had just finished and I had a chance to breathe and read it again. And I was like, wow, it really came out. It worked <laughs> because 
you know, life had just muddled everything up, but yet that storytelling voice, it still told the story like it should. So, yeah, I, I do feel like, you know, we're not always 100% in control. You're relying on some other part of your mind to tell the story and keep track of that stuff while you keep doing your day-to-day life and remember to shower and brush your teeth, which sometimes I don't remember. So yeah. storyteller is probably better than the regular mind keeping track of stuff. Right, right. Well, and you're, you're, you're not waking up in the middle of the night with a shovel in your hand or anything. Like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. No, no, no. Well, you know, but I have to say that um, with with the, you say it's just kind of like life happens and, and with your characters and with the stories, you're character-driven and things will happen to them and stuff. Do you think about what you're going to put them through it? before you actually put them through it? Like, are you sitting there and kind of go, well, this is what needs to happen. And then you throw it at them and see what happens. Is that kind of the case or is this, and, and are these things that you deal with within your own life as well? This is personal. Well, um, not a lot of that. I mean, they have some crazy stuff, for example, in Jackrabbit and in the Deadwood mystery series and Deadwood Undertaker series, we're dealing with a lot of supernatural too, which, wow, I hope some of that never happens to me. That would just freak me right out. But, um, you know, uh, when I plot at the beginning, like I told you, I start with that. My left brain does this really, oh, look at this beautiful plot we've outlined for you. Um, I'm thinking of some ideas of what I might have them go through. But when I do that chapter, scene and sequel, as I write, that's when I truly brainstorm in more detail, get down in there, and I'll have an idea of, hey, what if this happens? And and then how will we react to that? And then there are times when I'm writing what I think is going to happen per scene and sequel, and someone will say something or do something that just came out of left field and turns it. And I'll pause and think, do we really want to take that left turn? And sometimes it's like, no, bring it back. But other times it's like, yeah, let's explore that. That could be really fun. And off we go. And I know when I'm chuckling as I type that I've, I've, you know, I've kind of hit what I think is the humor that I'm aiming for because it's making me laugh just typing, typing the lines, you know. What do you hope someone pick, gets out of the book when they pick it up then? Like, do you, are you hoping for something or is it just entertainment and have a good time? That's part of it. I mean, um, I, I, I tell people I don't. I don't want you to read the books and then expect that you'll go, you know, get rid of three quarters of the books out of your bookshelf and then clean your house and get rid of a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm not trying to uh, make you, you know, believe in this, you know, some superpower out there in space that's controlling everything or the universe. I'm trying to give you an escape into something fun when your life is in dire need of it when you're struggling with stress from work or, or a ill parent or child or spouse or um, the TV, what's coming off the TV is stressing you out and you just want to get away and you want to have some laughter and you want to kind of find your happy place. That's what I'm aiming to help you with, to give you something to give you that relief and then send you back out. Okay, you've had this, you've, we've laughed, we had a good time. Now get back out there and face that, and let's keep going forward. You know, and here's another book to keep for when you need it, you know. Right. Or that's, that's more my goal. Well, I'm wondering, you know, 
they say for like stand up comedians and uh, the, to to land a joke that you need to have uh, comedic timing. Do you feel there's a necessity for I guess comedic timing or flow of some kind in in the writing of prose fiction to make uh, the humor land? You know, I didn't. I had never really thought of it like that until uh, another author I know who writes really wonderful humorous stories was talking to me and she said you and I we write a lot of humor she'd read my book I read her hers and I said yeah yeah and she goes do you do you realize how hard that is <laughs> and I said well not until you just made me think about it <laughs> so there is a timing and and there's when I write some, one of the scenes that is more laugh out loud than I'm aiming for I will write it and then I'll go back and I'll reread and go back through reading it aloud and edit and edit and yeah, keep doing it till I hit that cadence and the pacing and everything I need to make that joke land hmm. in my opinion. And, um, and on a side note, what's really interesting is if you have your book done as an audio book, it's so important that you find a narrator that matches your sense of right. humor and gets you. Because if she or he doesn't land, if, if they mm. read it wrong, that falls flat as a cake, even if it's funny on the page. So hooking up with a narrator, uh, and, and my narrator in this series is uh, Lisa Larson, and we've grown a lot together over the years. And, boy, Lisa gets me so well. When she sends me the chapters in advance to listen to and make sure, you know, everything sounds great, she makes me laugh reading the lines that I wrote and that's it, it. I'll be like, oh, she's so funny. And then you go, oh, wait, I wrote that. Or, you know, another funny thing you do with an audiobook is go, you're listening and you, and you say the next line as if you're so smart. You know, oh, she's going to say this. And she says it. And you're like, right? I knew she was going to say that. And you're like, you dummy, you wrote that thing, you know. But that's a good narrator to me because they've taken me out of the fact that I did write that story right. or that joke. And I'm just listening then. Now, out of all the books you, you've had published and, and put out, and you've done quite a few, how many have you done now? Well, um, in, including the four with my husband, Sam Lucky, I think we're at 34 wow. stories now published. And that's not, you know, that's a lot to some, but to some, there's authors that, I'm on book 160, <laughs> and I think, I don't think I'm going to hit that before I keel over. I just don't write that fast. Well, that's still quite a few. Like that's a, that's a lot of a lot of writing because you like you were saying you do, you know, hundred plus, hundred k plus uh, a book, right? So that's right. it's doing a lot of writing. Right? Yeah, it takes me four to six months to get a book written through the editing process, which takes over a month for me, and then release. So it's a it's a bit of a process for me, and I, I wish I could go faster just because uh, readers are voracious, and that's wonderful. But I just I keep getting distracted with my life and my family and trips to places to visit family and people. It's very distracting. Well, how rude. What do you, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? What, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be chained, and I keep unchaining from the computer. And oh. we go have fun. And then I go, oops, I'm supposed to be back, chained to the computer. So, Oops, I did it again. Did it again. you got to stop that. Stop it. <laughs> Get to work. Stay in your cave or your dungeon and keep going. <laughs> yeah, keep working. Yes. Oh. 
So what? Uh, for me, okay, I, I've got thirty books, but uh, when I do books, each time I do a book, I seem to learn something. Um, I think I've become a better writer, but I don't know. But I think I do, and some things become better and easier, and then new things open up. So I think, in essence, I'm saying that though I get through a book, I feel like um, it's changed me, but it's also given me more to do on the next book. Right. Do, do you find the same thing? I, I do, and I think that's, for me, that's part of the challenge in this author gig, is each book I have to grow, or I fear that readers will feel that on the page, that I'm becoming stagnant. So, like Twisty Tortoise Tussles, it's the first time, like I said, I've had five point of views running and twisting them together and making this like a twister coming through. Uh, that was, at first I thought, boy, can I do this? This is going to be tough. This is going to take a lot of work to keep track of it, bring it around, bring it around, you know, tie it, tie it, bring it, twist it some more. Can I do it? And I just thought, I got to try and, and went in and just started working it. And when it was all done and I finished and I thought, Whew, that was that was a real exercise. That was fun. It was challenging. Um, now what? <laughs> What's the next challenge I want to try to do? Uh, so, yes, like you, I think it's a constant work to challenge ourselves and keep growing and improving. You know, back when you first started the first five books, you probably never thought of some of the details that you think of. Um, structural details that you do maybe when you're writing, you know, book 10 or book 15, it just keeps changing because it's like you keep zeroing in, you know, uh, finer and finer details that you can see clearer because I think you're better at all the other stuff around it. So that's yeah. all natural. Yeah. But you become more aware of certain things. Right. Right. And I, I, I don't plan to ever reach. I don't think I will ever reach where I think, Oh, this is this is it. This is the top. I think it's forever changing and growing and experimenting, you know, to make a story interesting. Well, you know, you mentioned trips and um, Al mentioned learning, and it, it just made me think that, um, it, it, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you started writing about Arizona um, before you traveled there. Am, am that correct? Before you yeah, lived before there. I lived here. Right, right. I had I had actually lived here up in Flagstaff, not down in the desert where that series is set, and then moved up to Seattle, and then I started the series about Arizona because I oh, missed I it see. so much. And then, so I wanted to take myself back down there. We had driven through some of the set, you know, where the big RV parks are and some of that down there. So I was familiar with Tucson and that area, but I hadn't lived there, you know, for any – and like I said, I was way up in Flagstaff in the mountains, but – yeah, I really missed Arizona, and I wanted to write this series about a Winnebago, you know, or an RV park in the desert, and and that's kind of what got it started. Is there anything about uh, Arizona that you know most people outside of Arizona get wrong? Well, I think a lot of people, when we were going to move down here, uh, a lot of people would say, "From Seattle, <laughs> mind you, beautiful green mountainous Seattle." I can't believe you're moving to the flat desert. <laughs> And I would say, well, first of all, we're moving to Prescott, which is a mile high up in the mountains. 
um, it's not quite Flagstaff where I lived, where there's, you know, then you're 7,000 feet up there. Um, so I don't think a lot of people realize there are six, um, is it biozones, biomes in Arizona, meaning you have the low desert, you have mid-range, you know, chaparral areas, you have um, mountains like here in, in Prescott with certain kind of trees and stuff. And then you have the, the really alpine mountain kind of thing up in Flagstaff where they're, you know, way up there. I don't think people realize there's these sky islands, they call them, that are mountains and all this greenery. So many people hear Arizona and think flat desert saguaro. Yeah. You know, that's what's Arizona. And it's not. It's it's just a beautiful mix of landscapes, you know, and, and diversity. And I, I've always really enjoyed that about it. So um, part of, you know, and, and I do have the story set down in the desert. So people are still getting that. But I like to include all the different type of cacti. <laughs> And, and some of that, like, you know, book five is uh, in cahoots with the prickly pear posse. So right there in the title, we've got that cactus right. name. What point can you stop a book? Like, you know how you're writing and you're putting it together and you're four months into it. Is there a point that you draw a line at and say, that's it? I can't, you know, I'm not going to write anymore and it'll pick up in the next book in the series. Or like, how do you draw that line? Each book, even though they're part of a series and it's an ongoing series with plot lines that go sometimes over multiple books, but each book has one story question that gets answered. Like, will so-and-so figure out who murdered, you know, Joe Blow? And then that story will, will be all about that story question and answering that question by the end. So it feels like we've, we've completed this, you know, season of the, of the series. Put it aside, but there's more to come. You know, there's the hints of we still don't know the answer to this yet, and something's coming. We can tell with, you know, the readers, um, so many readers who, who read my books quickly learn if I mention a character's name, if I, you know, little trails or hints I'll give, that means we're coming back and we're going to revisit this. And it's going to probably be in a future story. And so it's exciting for me and them. It's like a game we play, you know. Here's a little tidbit. Do you catch it? Oh, I caught this, you know. And, and, and it makes it more fun, I think, for me as an author to interact that way with them. Do you ever worry about, um, well, let's just say this, you know, the outside world's always changing and, you're, you know, you're – you're out there um, taking trips and partying and that <laughs> all the time. But do you ever, um, when you're sitting down to write one of the stories, do, do you ever try to stay in line with what's going on outside? And I mean that in the way of like, okay, how do we say, um, you know, political correctness or – because for myself, I, 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 I tend to be a little bit humorous, and especially on the show, and I'll tend to say things that sometimes – may not be the most uh, popular things uh, because I'm just looking at humor. I'm just looking, I'm not looking to right. hurt anybody, right. but the, you know, the, the world tends to be, um, you know, going the, uh, a different direction with that and that. So I'd imagine with your stories, there's, there's a, you know, and being humorous, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, may not be the, the most correct for the time as it goes, because you could write something now, you know, something you wrote last last year even, and it's different now. 
Oh, yes. And I'm a big bumbler. Um, you know, did I did I say something wrong? One of those people that goes, what did I say? <laughs> what did I say wrong? Uh-oh. Um, trying to keep up with, you know, changes. My kids are high schoolers now, and a lot of times they go, Mom, you can't, you can't say. <laughs> and it's not even a, a really bad thing that was ever, right. you know, in the 80s, 90s, something we even thought about. And I'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was a thing. I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's changing so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a first draft crew of wonderful friends, family, readers. And there's about 10 to 12 of them that read the first chapter by chapter as I write, because I write a chapter by chapter. When I finish the book, it'll be done. I'll have, because I've spent so much time on each chapter that all I have to do is a few changes throughout. Um, and then we're ready to go to the editor. That's just the way my mind works. But anyway, they will often, if they catch something, if I can't really have that, um, that's a little bit offensive for a certain, you know, religion or a certain this, they'll, they'll let me know, as well as I have a beta crew. And that's anywhere from 25 to 45, depending on the book and how much time I have to go through beta edits. That is amazing. And they will go, uh, I don't know if you can, you know, say this anymore without causing a little ruffle, ruffle, you know, or, or, you know, get people upset. And so I'll, I'll debate then, well, what am I trying to do with this story? Am I trying to, you know, push the boundaries on this? Am I trying to just entertain? What do I want to do here? So those guys act as my filters. They act as, you know, someone that says, wait a second, take a second look at this. And they know that they know that's their job. So they're incredibly, wonderfully nitpicky. Um, and in the end, that helps me to, you know, us to release this, this story that's polished and ready to go with, you know, not hopefully not hitting on, you know, offending people or at least offending, you know, seeing it's humor and, and not going the other way. That doesn't mean I haven't published a thing or two where it's like I've had somebody write me and go, Oh, I don't know if that's, you know, I feel how I feel about that. Yeah. I think with humor, we're going to run into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if, um, you know, something I'm thinking about now, even more is I, I mean, you're, you're down in the hotbed, in Arizona yes. and, and so if you're being too political, correct, are you going to get it the other way? Cause you're you're in a humorous place right. so you don't want, you don't want a sound filter you know what right. i mean right it's yeah. a weird weird it is. world in in the first book in the series dance of the winnebagos okay the whole concept is claire she's down there with her grandfather who's in his late 60s early 70s and his two army vet buddies they're meeting up with their rvs and they've already they've already lined up a bunch of hot babes to come because they want to find wives they're tired of being bachelors after all. they want a wife so they've lined up it's like the dating game where we've got them coming through and they're not the most politically correct but they're having a good time and the women are having a good time it's not it's not like you know something where women would feel like oh that's that makes me nervous it's more women are very aggressive on their own right in that story you know what's going on and claire is stuck in the middle in her you know mid-30s watching her grandfather because her mom doesn't want him to come home with a gold digger. And the guys don't want her there. They're smoking, drinking, having a good time, eating chili con carne for breakfast. I mean, it's not 
<laughs> wonderful time for a, a woman to be hanging out with her grandfather down there. But she gets into the whole finding a human leg bone and this whole, you know, mystery that goes on. But still, my point is, there's a lot of stuff in that, you know, first story that it's not, you know, I, I tell people it's it's rated R. It's not like, you know, orgies like that. I just mean the language and the things that are going on. Uh, and be prepared for that. I'm not a cozy mystery writer. Hats off to those who are, but I'm not. I'm edgy. There's likely to be language, sexual situations, sex on the page, maybe one scene. Short. I don't go into lots of romance details, but, you know, that's what these stories are because I write for adults. And I've had some people say, oh, I think you'd be so, you could write these wonderfully funny children's books or, you know, junior high level books. And I say, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my brain goes that way. I'm sorry. You know, hats off to all those authors that are doing that. They do a wonderful job. That's not where my voice goes. It's a dirty old man in there sometime. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like Dave. (laughs) It's like, um, Wow. So uh, did you ever, is there any book you ever read, go back, like maybe book one or something or two of the series and kind of go, oh, I wish I could rewrite this. Oh, man, don't we, anyone who's written, yeah. you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you do, you've got to do it. I mean, you go back to those early books and you wince a little going, oh, I could have done that better. That's, that's telling right there. I should have shown that, you know, oh, I used that gesture three too many times there. You know, yeah. and it's just stick it out now like a sore thumb. So, yeah, I, I do. But I've, I've heard over and over the wisdom of don't go back and try to polish that first book. Because if you did a, a decent job, at least, there's an, an, a natural spark to it. Um, and let that be. And, and, you know, that's how it all came to be. And then your series, you know, your series grows, your writing improves, your readers go along, and hopefully they keep going, man, it just keeps getting better because you're getting better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, but I still get that, too, you know, and even someone will say something good about a book that you wrote a while ago, and you're like, <laughs> ooh. You know, you're waiting for the, the hammer to come down. Exactly. Or it's yeah. not always like, oh my god, oh, I was so yeah. bad. You yeah. Know? You yeah, wince a little. It's... You're you're wincing the whole time they're talking. You're just waiting for that. You know, that yeah. quick shiv in the ribs or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're just, oh. yeah. And they're like, oh, it was so good. It's like, oh my god, it's terrible. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, but you know, I guess that'll just never change. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where I. You know, that's where I started. That was who I was then as an author. And hopefully if you enjoy the stories, and mainly if you share my sense of humor, then you'll see how things change and grow. And it'll, you know, keep the roller coaster, like, kind of keep getting faster and faster and more fun and exciting. Yeah. And it's, it's all about that. You know, I think people should be able to write and do whatever they want. And it, it's just like anything. You, if you don't like it, then you don't buy it. You stay away from it. It is right. what it is. I, I can't stand this trying to alter things. It's, it is what it is. There's, it's, you don't like that kind of humor? Go somewhere else. Well, so I, I often will tell new readers that say, oh, I loved it. And, I, you know, I'll say we share a sense of humor. I love finding people that share a sense of humor with me. I think that's important in life. You find those people you can laugh with and have a great time with, and it helps, especially us authors who we sit, you know, so much of what we do is alone. 
Yeah. And, and our friends are the characters on the page a lot of times, which sounds crazy, but. Yeah. Well, it's true. And my dog. <laughs> and your dog, okay. yeah. My, our, our kids, because my husband and I both write, and we read series, and they'll say, we'll be talking about someone, and they'll say, they'll kind of inch up, is this a character or is this a real person? <laughs> so, or, or they'll get into it thinking, you know, oh, it's a real, per- it's a character or, or something. And we had this the other day and I said, oh no, no, we're talking about Alex off ice road truckers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My daughter just throws up her hands. Like, how am I supposed to know? You know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so he's a character, but officially he's a human in real. So it's a real mix up there. Yeah. It's just it's just one big blur. Come on, then it's over. <laughs> wow, you're always interesting. Um, now, so you do do you do social media? Do you do where do people find Anne Charles? I do. i um, you know to go for the books and and all the info on like the Deadwood fan party or tenth annuals coming up this October. Uh, you can go to my website. And, and you'll find, you know, whether the books page or the blog page where I'll have information. I put all the interviews in the blogs page, you know, showing different stuff. So if you really want to get kill a weekend with spending time listening to Anne's voice over and over, you can find different interviews and just go to town. Have a good time with me. Um, otherwise, Facebook, Instagram, I do some photography kind of as well as my cats. I uh, We have four cats, so I like to hang with them. Uh, but I'm also trying TikTok. I'm I'm just tiptoeing out there right now. Uh, I don't oh. sing and dance well, so it's hard for me to get into. Oh, you know, TikTok's yeah. dangerous. <laughs> Look out! You know. So but. and I and I'm a little bit on Twitter and a little bit on something else. Pinterest. Um, my sister-in-law has helped me make some really fun boards. Pinterest boards of all the different characters and different things. So that's kind of fun too if you're into the visual stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. And what is your website? AnnCharles.com. So AnnCharles.com. There's no E in Ann. Perfect. Of course, we'll have that up too so people can find you. And uh, just do one click and Ann comes up and you can listen to her and look at her. And <laughs> Throw it. popcorn at me. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, have a, good good t- have a good time. Yeah. Whatever you, whatever you want to do. Anyway. <laughs> Well, it's certainly been a, a, a great conversation. You're always good to talk to. Um, now, of course, we're talking. We were we were promoting your new book called Twisty Tortoise Tussles, and that's Jack Rabbit Junction humorous mystery book number six. Oh, yeah. mouthful! Say it fifty and- <laughs> times, really fast. <laughs> really, well, I'll say Dave. Go for it. Um, well, and Charles, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me back. It's so much fun talking to you. Thanks, Anne. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. 
houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.